Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Seat Strike Movie Podcast. My name is John. Joining me today is my co-host, Quinn. Hey, guys. How's it going? Oh, doing well. Uh, we're Curtis List today. He's in Paris, uh, so we're hoping he's having a good vacation. Seems like it, based on the uh, the pictures he shared, but uh, we'll welcome him uh, next week. Uh, today, of course, it's uh, August 14th. It's a beautiful, uh, well, here in Ottawa, it's like 11, so it's just uh, before noon here. Pretty nice day. Uh, Quinn, how's uh, how's your week going? Anything uh, anything exciting or just same old? Yeah, just pretty much same old. Uh, just been working quite a bit and everything, but enjoying the the nice weather anyway. We were sitting out back last night, and I think we're going nice. to enjoy the backyard today again, just because it's a beautiful day. So got to uh, enjoy whatever's left of summer anyway. <laughs> yeah, use it up before it's a uh, snowbank, yeah. I can't believe it's mid, uh, mid-August already. I can't believe it. Yeah, it's weird to think it's gone by so quick. Yeah, yeah, today, uh, I think not too much going on today. I think I got the, uh, we're doing the beer pod later this afternoon, so that'll be fine. But uh, I might try to uh, do some some work before the start of my week tomorrow, uh, starting tomorrow. Uh, Today, of course, we're um, back on a John Carpenter beat. We're talking uh, the 1998 classic, um, certainly up there with the likes of The Thing and others, uh, John Carpenter's Vampires. Uh, We'll talk (laughs) about that, of course, later, but... Uh, before before we get there, let's uh, just start things off as we always do, talking uh, first stuff that we've added to our watch list. So actually, before we get into it, I'll just um, Curtis was um, and thank you in, in advance, Curtis. Curtis was kind enough to share uh, some of his notes uh, from stuff that he's added to his watch list, and also some notes on the movie and stuff he's watched. So uh, there's three movies, Curtis. Actually, four movies he's added recently to his watch list. Uh, the first one is called Brexit, the Uncivil War, uh, which is uh, a movie about the lead up to the 2016 EU referendum in the UK and the resulting, uh, of course, Brexit. Apparently it stars uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Dominic Cummings, um, who he says is a nasty piece of work. Um, kind of interested to check that one out. It's kind of crazy now that we're far enough away from Brexit to actually have it be a movie making event. Um, the next one, of course, is called Street Time. Um, it's Dustin Hoffman starred flick about a guy uh, released from jail who tries to go straight, i.e. staying out of jail, and try to conform into society in 70s LA. Have you ever seen or heard of Street Time? I haven't myself. So No, I haven't. Uh, I have not, no. Yeah, these are some these are some interesting ones here. The, one, the next one is called The Dreamers. Uh, it's a Bernardo uh, Brutalucci film about an American student visiting Paris who enters a love tryst. Stars uh, Michael Pitt and Eva, Eva Green. He says, "I'll watch her in anything." Um, yeah, actually, well, Curtis is in Paris, so pretty uh, pretty interesting. Maybe he's like uh, getting his full uh, Dreamers experience. And then the last one is called OK, which is a German film shot in Bavaria with Southern German actors um, that inspired Casualties of War, which I believe is the film he actually watched. Uh, this week, which uh, is an interesting one. Uh, also, again, based on the incident at Hill 166, which we'll talk about a little bit after. Um, Quinn, anything new that you've added to your watch list you're interested in checking out? Yeah, I added a couple uh, this week. Uh, the first one is a horror sci-fi flick from 86 called Terror Vision. Ooh. And uh, I had heard of it quite a while ago, and then it came up. I was reading it. I love 80s like horror. I'm like a nut for it. So it's one of the ones I haven't seen. So I added it. And basically it's a family's new satellite TV system starts receiving signals from another planet. And soon it becomes the passageway to an alien world. Oh, I don't know. saw the trailer. looks pretty cool. Um, You know, some like really cheesy special effects and monsters and stuff like that. So right up my alley, super into that. Mm-hmm. So I added that one. And then another movie that I want, or I added rather is a Dutch film called Turks fruit. And uh, I saw a uh, screenshot of one of the scenes, one of the one of the, I guess, more iconic shots of the movie. 
and I thought it looked pretty pretty damn cool. And uh, basically, a, a a young love faces with old problems. That's all it says. I don't really know much about the movie. Um, it's from 1973. Um, and yeah, it's. I don't know. It seems like very good. Uh, it had an Oscar nominee for best foreign language film. Um, yeah, really high reviews. So I'll check that out. Um, but yeah, what about you, uh, John? What'd you add this week? Yeah, I added about three films to speak. The first one uh, directed by uh, Takashi Miike from 2001 called The uh, Visitor Q. Um, I've actually never seen any Takashi Miike. I know people love his stuff. Uh, maybe love is a bit of a strong term, but people, there are people who watch his stuff, uh, even though that can be hard uh, stuff like as Curtis actually had some comments audition. I believe he did Ichi the Killer or I can't remember if that's the right title or not. But um, anyways, I've never really seen this stuff, but this is one of his earlier films. I'm interested in checking it out. Uh, another one, I don't know why this is actually on my list. I, I have like a backlog of random order movies, but this one uh, from 1988 uh, called Shakedown. It's like a, it's a 80s courthouse drama, sort of slash action film. And it actually stars uh, Peter Weller and Sam Elliott in kind of the main roles. So it uh, sounds like a good like midnight type film. So I, I'm interested to check that one out. And the last one, again, don't know why this is on my list. It's called White Fire from 84. Uh, it's a Euro spy heist movie. Um, kind of shoddy production values directed by a French porn director. I don't know how great it's going to be, but uh, um, I'm excited to consume that garbage. That's for sure. Um, so that's about it for my end. I've got my, my backlog starting to really catch up on me. So I might have to start chopping some of that down. Um, but uh, I guess we could probably get into what we watched this week. Um, Quinn, why don't you actually kick us off since you watched one? And actually I happened to watch it last night as well too. Coincidentally, um, oh, no. a bit of a classic. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's funny because um, I was sitting in my basement and I was like, oh, I'll throw on a VHS. So I went through my ridiculous size collection anyway. And I don't know, I came, went through a couple of them and then I saw Waterboy and I hadn't seen Waterboy in a while. And it's like, you know, it's classic. It's punchy. It's like an hour and 20 minutes. It's like super yeah. quick, funny. And I was like, yeah, I'll watch an old Sandler flick. So I threw that on and uh, I have to say, man, I, I I love that movie. It's such a classic. So fun. And uh, oh, just just the quotes and like the yeah. big show references, Captain. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> and By is the way, Chris Farley, the announcer guy with them or is. Oh, it looks like I him. It, I think it's his brother. I think. Oh, yeah. I think okay, it's Chris Farley's sense. brother. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But the funny thing is, is um, I don't know if you heard about this, but. Did you hear that the big show is coming back to wrestling as Captain Insano? Did no, I actually didn't hear, hear this. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if he's joining like AEW or one of those yeah. other ones. Not the WWE. And he wants to like change his whole thing. And I guess uh, he talked to whoever he got the rights. So he, he's actually going to be Captain Insano. Captain Insano, show he's no mercy. Yeah. I love when he's like, I love when he's like, how old are you, kid? Like 12, 13. He's like, yeah, I'm 34. 31. <laughs> And their reaction is so it's fucking dying crazy. laughing. Yeah, I used to. I mean, I used to watch The Water Boy a bunch when I was younger. I mean, I, I grew up watching all the Adam Sandler kind of early fair, but I've I've always had an affinity for The Water Boy. I guess maybe because it's a football movie too. My yeah. I'm in a close fantasy football league. I manage with a bunch of real friends and. Uh, uh, by real friends, I mean not like internet. I have a few leagues that are kind of internet randoms, but these are like my close friends and family. Um, my team's called the SCLSU Mud Dogs. It's been that way for a while. So, um, yeah, it's really, man, rewatching it was such a blast. It's super fun. Uh, so and cool. Kathy Bates in it is so great, too. You know, oh Foosball's the devil. Yeah, she's great, man. <laughs> I also love the uh, the two 
his friends that are like cast in like a bunch of movies, like they're the two fans in the crowd. They're like arguing. Like he's just like, oh, he's the best track- tackler since Joe Montana. It's like Joe Montana's a quarterback, you idiot. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. Joe Montana. Bro, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just talking shit. He's just like, he's like, I bet you 50. He's like, I bet you 50 bucks that he's going to throw a touchdown pass on the first play. Fucking quarterback throws a pick. And he's just like, he's like, hi, you owe me 50 bucks. He's like, you said it was going to be a touchdown pass, you crazy, crazy asshole. asshole. <laughs> I love oh that. Fuck. Yeah, it's, the, it, it holds up really well. It's so fun. It does. Funny. It's so fun, man. It, it's as fun as it ever was before. Like, I, I don't know. I love that movie. Big Daddy's another one, too. It's like one of my go tos. I, I just love that. I love that movie. But yeah, Waterboy was super fun. But uh, what about you, man? What did you uh, what did you watch? Yeah, so I, I was saying pre-show, I've been watching a lot of TV recently, so uh, I did complete one season, but I'm probably going to, I've been watching a lot of John Adams, which uh, so far I've really been loving it. It's really great so far, but I think it's like, a, I think there's like eight or nine episodes and I'm in episode four, so I'm going to have to try to wrap that up. But yeah, I watched a few things this week. The first one um, being, uh, this one's actually, I think, more of like a TV show. It's called Cinema A to Z. It's on uh, uh, Amazon Prime Channel, Super Channel, so it's sort of like a little... Um, I guess like an hour long program where they go A to Z through different topics. The first one I watched was books and I I enjoyed it, but it wasn't really anything too deep. It was sort of like, if you have any sort of passing interest in film, um, you're pretty going to be pretty well versed watching it, but um, there wasn't really anything too kind of special, unique about it. It was, it felt pretty, uh, um, pretty surface level. So, but I still had a good time watching it. It was good kind of background noise. And then um, actually I'm going to take a breakthrough too, because I, I I have some stuff to share, you know, it's a little show and show and tell corner. Um, oh. I was in uh, Toronto last week with me and my uh, fiance um, went to a concert and had just kind of a little weekend uh, checking things out. So uh, we were at, um, I've mentioned before on the program uh, here in Ottawa at the uh, Bytown cinema, uh, they've done a few showings uh, called drunken cinema, which uh, is sort of like an interactive uh, way of watching movies with like playing cards and little and and I when I first went I thought it wasn't really going to be my thing but I've actually really enjoyed it it's pretty funny and uh, it's actually run out of Toronto and so when we were in Toronto we went to uh, the Review Cinema uh, over in Rotsvales and uh, saw Anaconda for its 25th anniversary uh, kind of showing uh, firstly it was my first time at the Review Cinema and it was a great time uh, total blast very packed um, screening at the at the cinema I think it was a probably probably close to a sellout um, and I actually ran into an old friend who happened to be working there that I, one of my friends from like 15 years ago I had seen. So it was kind of funny seeing her. Um, but yeah, the movie was, uh, it's pretty bad. I hadn't seen Anaconda in forever. Um, I love like, the funniest part was like John Voight's character. He's acting. He almost sounds like Tommy Wiseau. Like he's so, his performance is so grating. But every time he would show up and just like say some stupid line, everyone was laughing. It was, so it made for a pretty good watch. Uh, the movie itself, you know, pretty mid, but uh, it, it's it's good for that type of screening. So had a blast. It was super fun. Uh, and and going to the Review Cinema in Toronto, I mean, um, Toronto, of course, has some, a couple of really great uh, movie theaters, you know, Bell Lightbox among them, but the Review Cinema is one of the best. And, you know, I was just looking at their monthly schedule, like every day is a movie I want to see. And I was just like, oh man, I want to go back just to, just to watch all that stuff. And I also want to give a shout out. I can't, I think it's his name is Nathan. I want to say Nathan Boone, but there's a guy who works or he volunteers at the cinema and he recuts trailers and you can actually go, I think they're on, I don't know if they're on YouTube, but on Vimeo, um, he actually posts the trailers he makes for the review cinema and they're really well done like they're the trailers themselves are almost like little short films it's really really cool how he kind of recontextualizes and takes these 
you know, collage of film scenes and then adds like new new music or other stuff and to make these little ads. And so really makes for a really great pre-show experience watching it. So that was pretty fun too. Um, and then of course, yeah, as mentioned, watched uh, The Waterboy. Um, yesterday, I happened to be at the uh, Mayfair for their Saturday Night Cinema. Um, for those of you who don't know, every uh, once, once or twice every month or, or so, they do kind of like a secret showing for members only usually at midnight or close to it and uh, I don't really go that often because like I mean Saturday Saturday night I usually have plans so I've only been to a few of them so I know they say not to really talk about them but um, because I don't go that often I think I'll just share uh, this this one yet last night for of course the 50th anniversary uh, was the uh, classic John Waters film Pink, Pink Flamingos uh, how the hell do I even talk about this movie it's so fucked up uh, but at the same time it is so funny I love John Waters as a personality his writing his characters in his films are so funny um, just the sheer and like even the tone in it like it's obviously kind of a very silly kind of like dark comedy but at times it's generally kind of a little bit like terrifying in the way it kind of deals with the subject matter but uh, super fun obviously like the biggest performance is with divine and she's so funny in it and uh it, it's pretty pretty repulsive at times uh but i love like the class the dreamlanders that's this production company the kind of actors that always appear in all his films uh, including like the grandmother edie who's obsessed with eating eggs uh which was which was really fucking funny uh, yeah there's some it's, it's crazy to think that this movie now is like probably i, I guess it is 50 years old this year and it's still like incredibly transgressive and it's still many scenes in this that will genuinely shock and disgust you and repulse you. And it just, it, I, I was, I actually was reading cause I was on Letterboxd. I saw McGill, you know, friend of the show, uh, his, his little review on it. And he said like, it still feels like dangerous to watch kind of in context of talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It feels like a movie that like watching it is like, there's something wrong, like illegal to watch it. Like it, it, there's something that still has a power to it. Um, and I love John Waters kind of later stuff in the, the 80s and even the 90s kind of when he went a little bit more mainstream like serial mom and polyester and stuff like that but uh yeah had a re had a real blast watch i guess a blast is a bit of a strange term to put it um but i always seem to end up watching these like really weird movies by myself surrounded by like couples i'm sure like they're having the most awkward time watching a guy uh, spreading his asshole and whistling with it so um yeah it makes for interesting subject matter i guess and interesting post-movie uh dinner chat but uh yeah I, I thought it was pretty funny although you know a little bit rough on the edges if you could tolerate a lot of crass filth as they put you know filth is life filth is my politics as divine puts it if you can handle that uh check out pink flamingos i think it's on the criterion channel i think they actually re-released it as like a 4k restoration can you imagine having a 4k pink flamingos on your shelf that would be pretty wild um but yeah it was i had a blast though watching it. it was it was pretty it was a pretty fun experience um you know kind of one of those classic midnight movies i think when that came out and then in the 70s you had of course as quint's background shows you have a racer head you have this movie um, and a few other ones that kind of really became kind of mainstay 80s, like late night cinema showings. That's really kind of how it how how John Waters built his career. Like, you know, this movie coming out really is why he's such a big figure uh, to the point that I was I was just like on YouTube. And there's like a scene from like Alvin and the Chipmunks movie where I guess John Waters is sitting on a plane with them. And Alvin's like or he's bantering with them. And Alvin's like. He's like, I, I, he's like, I could handle anything. I watched Pink Flamingos. I'm like, how the hell did this make the cut in the out the Chipmunks movie? I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was uh, that was wild. I also have been watching uh, some TV. So I've been watching John Adams. I'll talk about it when I finish it. But uh, have been watching and just finished season one of Nathan for you, which is one of my favorite comedies. I used to watch the first season back when it came out. Kind of got out of it. And I know Nathan Fielder, the Canadian comedian who just released his newest 
uh, kind of HBO show. I haven't seen it yet, but it's been getting a lot of buzz and it's on the discourse. And so thought I'd re revisit Nathan for you and got Nathan for you. Is so fucking funny. Like I think more than anything, just the amount of, obviously I think the, the, the show obviously plays a little bit with reality. You're kind of thinking what's actually true, what's not true. And what, you know, a lot of it, a lot more of it is actually more staged than you think, but I, I love how he just, just his persona and just the situations he creates, how he just gets like some strange stuff out of people. Like people will just confess the most weirdest shit to him. And he just kind of sits there and he's like, oh, okay. Or like, just like, wow, like just deadpan reacts. And the kind of uh, the ongoing process of him asking his guests, like, will you hang out with me or will you be my friend? There's a little bit of like self like flangulating or whatever about him and his own personality obviously pretty put on but it still still makes for a pretty pretty fun watch so i'm excited to check out the other seasons because i've heard it's gotten even bigger and i know it ended actually with like a little short not a short film but it ended with like a full-fledged movie so i'd be interested to um to check that out and uh, before i get into what curtis watched as well um i also want to show and tell because when i was in toronto last week got to go to see uh, go to bay street video which if you don't know is a video store on bay street i think it's bay and bloor around that area one of the oldest i think in toronto i think it's one of the last ones in toronto and it's it's a great place to go for film they have pretty much everything there or if it's not in stock they have it listed they've got a tons of stuff and um i want to shout out of course uh, one of the podcasts listen to the important cinema club i think justin DeClue, who is actually from ottawa who is in the podcast that lives in toronto i think he actually is the manager or owns bay streets i know he does the bay street video podcast so uh, that's how i got into kind of going and, and knowing about this but i picked up a few titles some of them are relevant. Uh, the first one, of course, the 4K Escape from New York. So uh, obviously we just did Escape from LA. So excited to check this one out. Uh, the new restoration. And there's a bunch of like, uh, I think a, a new audio commentary as well too on it too. So excited to check that out. Uh, also picked up Halloween, the 4K one. Uh, but mean to check out the new Shout Factory release or sorry, the Scream Factory release. And actually they just announced they're going to come out with a new box set for like Halloween Resurrection and like H2O. I'm like, who the hell would buy that? But anyways, I don't know. The original Halloween quality movie. I, I don't really care so much of having a 4K shit film, uh, but if it's a good one, I'll, I'll buy it. So I also picked up the Blu-ray of Wild at Heart. Uh, saw that, I think it was last year, year, year two years ago at uh at mayfair and it's i've it's been i think out a few couple of times that i think it was at the bytown once uh last year but uh really i didn't really like it as much as the other david lynch stuff but it's got a kind of an interesting style too it's kind of like a road movie a little bit of bonnie and clyde and the blu-ray is actually a little bit kind of rare so i kind of saw it and i was like had to get it and then lastly uh jack frost not the uh beloved uh wholesome schmaltzy michael uh i almost said michael kane jesus um michael keaton <laughs> snowman film oh i'm jack frost my you know that's that's a different uh different mike uh this is the kind of 90s horror one with the killer snowman uh i think i watched i think it's on like uh shutter i watched it on a whim uh during the winter last year and i actually kind of dug it like it's it's obviously very you know much a b movie but it has like a certain way that it handles its subject matter with this this kind of placid killer snowman that doesn't move but then you kind of look back and he's he's moved it's kind of like a little bit of it reminds me of like doctor who like that angels episode where it's like you look back and they've moved and switched and it come, that's kind of the horror so it, it, that part of it's kind of fun i see you got some uh new new stuff in your uh, repertoire too what'd you get yeah i picked up three new ones for the collection nice. um i picked up one of my favorite horror movies of all time it's the blu-ray of oh Frank yes yeah, yes. I picked that up on Amazon, and uh, I absolutely awesome. love this movie. So I'm excited to watch that when spooky season starts in a couple of weeks. Soon, yeah, seemingly like in a, what a month and a half or something like that. It's crazy. Yeah, 
yeah typically is start of september that's when i start i i get i get ahead yeah. i try to get ahead because there's so much to watch i got another classic that i i love this movie and it unfortunately gets shit on sometimes but i don't really care um is toby hooper's the fun house oh yeah i haven't seen that but i've heard a lot of people talk about how it's like it's really fun man it's it's Hooper really home. good and then i got i had to spend a little bit of extra money on this one but I got the Criterion Collection of one of my all-time favorite films, Blowout. Oh, nice. Yeah, Dr. and that's Walt coming Walt. to Mayfair, too. I, I, I saw that yes. on the channel a while back. Yeah. It's a great film. Yeah, I gotta, I, I'm going to take my dad to it, I think, because he's never seen it. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I love De Palma. I'm a huge Brian De Palma fan, so I had to get Blowout for the collection. But yeah, that's nice. all I have for show and tell this week. Anyway, no, that's nice. That's cool. Yeah, I know some of these like Blu-rays now are like they 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 definitely charge you on, on some of them. But I'm just especially I don't these know. like B releases like Arrow and Vinegar Syndrome. I'm like, who yes. the hell wants to buy some like shitty sex exploitation film for thirty dollars? I mean, you know, yeah. power on you. But yeah, no, for sure. I I joined a group. It's like it's called like Blu-ray Vinegar Syndrome Criterion Collection Trading and Selling or something. It's on Facebook. Anyway, so that, like I ended up getting the vineyard on vinegar syndrome, and it's like it was pretty cheap. You know what I mean? It's like oh, that's good. Like that. So it's like yeah, but I don't know, man. I I'm a sucker for the Criterion stuff. I don't know. I just I just love it. I love yeah. I love the booklets they come with. I just love the quality, and uh, you know the director approved, and you always get like for the blowout. Yeah, you get the master audio soundtrack. There's an hour long video interview with De Palma yeah. about the movie. Like you get so much extra stuff. So it's like, yeah, it's super fun, super super cool. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good one. I think Blood yeah. in particular is like. Oh, uh, I watched it on the whim. I was I was like I'm gonna watch it on Criterion and like I think it had just came out on the channel, so it yeah. was like trending. I'm like, yeah, I'll watch Blowout. And I was like, wow, this movie is awesome. It's like a little bit of like a intrigue thriller. I mean, yeah. obviously, very kind of Hitchcock too, but it's a little bit of like a kind of like an early like Reagan era like political thriller because it's about yeah. this like moral decay of our political systems. And John Lithgow, I don't want to spoil the movie, but John Lithgow is truly menacing in this kind of pre-Dexter when he did that again. You know, people forget right. like people are like oh John Lithgow, happy go lucky, you know, dad, you know, Third Rock from the Sun or whatever. No, no, like he's done other stuff a little bit more serious and uh, a little bit more uh, kind of edgy. So yeah, really, really great, uh, really great movie. Um, yeah, and as well, I think uh, I might have to pick up some more stuff soon, and uh, we'll do a little show and tell corner every so often. I, I got I gotta get some more uh, criterions as well too. I got a, I got a little bit lucky a while ago. I picked up a bunch of like um, Wes Anderson stuff that was like thrifted. So, um, but mostly DVDs. Although sometimes you know the DVDs have good features and stuff, and they're cheaper too, so they make for good. Uh, good it's, fun, it's funny that you say that because uh, a fan of our podcast, a buddy of mine from work, he like walked by me the other day at work, and he's just like. Do more Wes Anderson films, and I'm like, uh, I will. <laughs> yeah, I think that has to be a watch series for sure. Because I will let it. the guys know. Because yeah, Wes Anderson, I'm a fan. I love his work. So yeah, I, yeah. Grand Budapest Hotel. Who does it? That's a fucking awesome. That movie. is the most satisfying movie I have ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, and it's I really so like the French Dispatch, which I which came out. Recently. Yeah, the French that Dispatch was awesome. was nice, but just the Grand Budapest Hotel, man. It was like, just visually, you're just like yes yeah like it's just the, it's definitely oh. his best it's his best visual film i think well i think french dispatch does a lot of creative stuff just yeah a, a sheer volume but i think yeah grand budapest is probably his best effort there visually yeah. for sure cool cool and uh also curtis watches as mentioned he watched the film to prepare for this one so he watched uh 
casualties of war which he also said i guess is quentin tarantino's favorite vietnam war movie you know he has to be a contrarian he can't like platoon or the other ones like oh actually i like uh casualties of war uh 1989 vietnam war movie uh stars sean penn and michael j fox in it uh i believe yeah directed by brian de palma as well too uh fox plays an innocent soldier whose squad led by sean penn uh kidnaps rapes and kills a vietnamese girl and he speaks out about it uh, it's actually based on a true story, I believe. Yeah, 1966 incident called the uh, incident on Hill uh, 166, uh, which occurred during the Vietnam War. You know, one amongst many kind of plethora of kind of human rights abuses, as you could put it today. Um, you know, the sexual assault and her mistreatment in the film is very hard to watch, but um, he was saying he thinks it's a pretty good film. Um, and he says he finds Vietnam War movies fascinating too because America has not collectively gotten over the Vietnam War, so to speak. It lingers in the U.S. subconsciousness and it shows its vulnerabilities and failings, especially in the 80s too. I mean, this was like late 80s was like kind of the peak of like, well, not I guess a little bit earlier with a with a Full Metal Jacket, but you know, the 80s was sort of reflecting after a decade and a half of. Uh, you know, looking back at the Vietnam War, I think, and I think I think that's a kind of a good salient point. Uh, have you seen Casualties of, Casualties of War? Because I haven't, but I've, I've oh, heard I have people not. bring it up recently. So, oh. um, yeah, interesting subject matter too. Um, but I'll have to I'll have to check that one out as well too. So, thanks for sharing that, Curtis. And that uh, brings us to the main event. Um, so we're talking John Carpenter, of course, and we're back on his beat, talking the 1998 film uh, Vampires. But before we get into it, just want to go and give a little bit of backstory on this and also for myself too so uh this is um based on a novel actually it's actually an adaptation of a 1992 john steakley novel which I, i've obviously never read i don't know if you have either but uh this was sort of uh the rates for this required by this group largo entertainment and they wanted to kind of plan to turn this into a film and um they're actually John Carpenter was attached to it, but there was other directors as well too. Sam Raimi, uh, Peter Jackson. You can you imagine this is like a splatter film, a splatter film with like Peter Jackson and Raimi. Uh, that would have been kind of wild. Uh, but nonetheless, John Carpenter ended up getting the to being attached to direct this one. Uh, there was a lot of casting choices. Dolph Lundgren was actually originally cast as the lead for <laughs> Jack Crow, and apparently Willem Dafoe was also considered for for Valak as well, but. Uh, casting wise we ended up with uh everyone's favorite uh james woods uh whenever i think james woods i think of like james woods high from like family guy and you know frequently collaborating on that show i honestly though it's it's weird it's like i only see him in videodrome yeah i just it's i don't know i just i don't know this one was weird to me just to see him in it because i just kept thinking of videodrome he wasn't the same as he was in videodrome so james woods is such an interesting guy because i mean nowadays i think people just think like because he's just such like political brains like he's just such he just can't shut the fuck up about his like views constantly on the internet and he's kind of gone full uh you know angry old man yelling at things 24 7 um much to the chagrin of everyone but people will forget like late 90s i mean 80s through the 90s james woods very good actor very good you know amazing actor i would say um truly underrated and kind of interesting with this film um this was one of the last films that I think uh, Siskel and Ebert actually did on their program. I think Siskel that fall was already diagnosed with his, I think it was cancer he had and then would later be in the hospital. Uh, but notably like Siskel was like raving about uh, James Woods' movie. And there was like a little Oscar like red carpet thing that they did. And he said, oh, James Woods should win like the, the Oscar for like best performance. And like Ebert's just like, oh, what, the, what the hell are you talking about? And you're kind of, you're kind of like wondering like, you know, Cisco was near the end of his life. Was he just kind of a little bit loopy or losing it? But like, yeah. big fan, Gene Cisco, big fan, James Woods in this film is a uh, Jack uh, 
Jack Crow, which is like a total badass cool guy name uh, for this film, which is funny because, you know, James Woods, not he's not, he's not the same tier as like uh, Kurt Russell or even uh, Roddy Rowdy Piper, although he's kind of channeling a little bit of Roddy Rowdy Piper, I'd say a little bit, kind of like a edgy kind of at the fringes of society type figure a little bit um, in this one. And we also get a Baldwin in this. We get uh, Daniel Baldwin is Tony Montoya, uh, which uh, I, I've got some thoughts on him in this film. I think he's a bit of a <laughs> bit of a fucking asshole <laughs> like in this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, actually, Alec Baldwin is actually one of the reasons he got this role. Alec Baldwin was a, apparently a big fan of Carpenter's work and he had been cast to play Montoya, but had to drop it. And so he actually ended up getting kind of his brother. And, you know, there we go once again, uh, family ties uh you know nepotism uh putting one of the bald ones on top maybe and, uh, he held uh maybe he held carpenter at gunpoint and told him to cast his brother <laughs> yeah I mean, it's like <laughs> sorry that's a that's, you soon. know that, i'm soon. sorry because because we all because we all know that uh you know i used to, we all stand behind alec Baldwin because you know we won't stand in front of him <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, and um another interesting uh character in this playing uh katrina although she's just called hooker the whole time uh cheryl lee who of course as you know as well quinn uh, famously laura palmer in twin peaks and uh you can kind of see it too because she's kind of playing the anguish like yelling like woman who is just mistreated by men around her character uh but she's a really good actress i, I would say and like i mean she's not really given a whole lot to work with here but i think she does a pretty good job uh, in this role, uh, in this film, otherwise. Um, but I think, like, you know, she's definitely a great actress. I probably could have handled, you know, more material. Uh, but yeah, this film uh, was, of course, produced, released uh, in the late 90s. Crazy enough, this film came out in 98, like the same year as, like, Blade. And I'm like, Blade is like a way better movie than this one. It's kind of oh. funny. I, I mean, do you remember your first time watching Vampires? Was this a first watch for you? Have you seen this, was, this one? This was my first watch, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So this one's interesting for me because this was actually the first ever Carpenter movie I ever saw. Like, I think this came out in 98. 98 was the year I kind of became cognizant about movies as like, oh, this month this movie was coming out. Like, before that, as a kid, I'm like, oh, movies just kind of spontaneously generated. It's kind of like pre-germ theory. They're like, oh, yeah, flies just manifest out of air it was like as a kid you didn't know you know what was coming maybe you'd see those like disney tapes where it's like coming soon but like you didn't really know releases but i think 98 that's really when i got into reading kind of crack magazine mad magazine and all those like movie parodies their bread and butter of course is the little spoofs they do on movies and pop culture that's kind of how i got into really knowing releases and so 98 vampires came out i think my dad must have rented it and I watched it, but I'm like, God, I watched this too. I watched a lot of weird shit when I was way too young because I'm watching this. I'm like, this is a pretty edgy fucking movie for me to watch as a kid. Uh, really, I forgot like so much of this film, but uh, except the opening, of course, which I think the opening of this is really, really great uh, where we get the kind of vampire hunters. Uh, the story, of course, it's sort of like a neo-Western type movie. These characters are in New Mexico jack crow this ragtag group of characters they all look like video game characters they're all dressed up in like different outfits and stuff it's pretty campy but uh they're these vampire hunters sponsored by the vatican and they even have a priest with them who's constantly doing like reading the last rites or whatever he's just hanging out outside and then as they pull the bodies out he's just like issuing them the putting the holy water on them or whatever uh but they're kind of tasked by the vatican to actually go and hunt vampires and the vampires in this movie i think the way that carpenter actually does the vampires and this is pretty interesting because very reminiscent of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer they're almost like these like 
they're almost like zombies because the way they kind of emerge out of the ground but they're they got like kung fu fighting power like they're just super strong and um it's you know they're they're the actually i think the opening sequence is generally kind of a little bit scary like as they kind of enter the house and the mood builds especially when we get that kind of call back to the fog with the kind of skeleton falling down out of the closet um that's actually pretty pretty creepy and then you know we get kind of a bunch of surprise scares uh, i was really into it i would say the, the the first kind of 15 minutes of it where we get those great sequences and then of course when they attach the wince on to the vampires and they pull them out and that's the big thing they do is they pull the vampires out with the sunlight and they it's not like in the some of the movies where the vampires in the sunlight just you know catch on fire or they kind of just fall apart they they just literally spontaneously explode into like fire and inferno and just totally uh burn shit to the ground um but uh, as, as the film goes on of course they're celebrating and that's where uh jack crow uh, or james wood's character that's where he kind of meets one of the prostitutes there but she actually gets bitten by this va- master vampire valak which to me valak was kind of goofy like i don't know I-, I did like the way he kind of you see him appear sometimes when he's like on the walls or you know a little bit of that uh that kind of dracula edge to him but otherwise he's kind of uh kind of flat in this movie i don't know he just wasn't a whole lot there to him yeah no for sure and <clears throat> what i laugh too is like the funny gun effects in the movie too like they're like so like cheap looking but like it i actually sort of made it like fun in a way and it it sort of reminded me a little bit a little bit of big trouble in, in a way yeah just, kind of yeah just it has that sort of um that vibe and i was also laughing out loud as those vampires are coming down the stairs outside of the house just like just caught on fire and shit just, <laughs> i don't know i i, I don't know it, it uh odd movie but yeah anyway yeah and like i think like uh i would say like john carpenter um treats his characters in this like he's pretty um they're, they're not meant to be the most likable characters they're kind of anti-heroes and you see that a lot of his films where he i would again like he may tends to have a little bit of like an anti-authority authoritarian edge to him like a lot of his characters whether it's um you know snake plissken and his contempt for authority or even like they live looking at characters in the fringes of society and some of his other works usually pretty kind of critical of systems or things in power and in this one you know pre- looking at these vampire killers they're kind of like all dirtbags and assholes and they're and like jack crow seems like his closet case like he's like calling character slurs and then he's talking to the priest like oh did you get a heart on or whatever i'm like what are you trying to tell me james woods like <laughs> where that guy with that fucking uh innocent looking uh, priest that joins a padre he calls him i don't even think that's his name he's like hey padre yeah <laughs> he's like you got a little mahogany <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> but um i do think the film kind of fucks up a bit in that we get this really fun group of like vampire hunters and like they're very much just killed off like 20 minutes in the movie like that valak shows up when they're kind of separated slaughters them all and they but a great thing was that valak kind of does the like kalima and sticks the hand through the guy and then chops him up a little bit of fun little special effect gore there but yeah. they come back and everyone's dead and then the rest of the movie is pretty much him daniel baldwin and, and cheryl lee is sort of uh, Shirley of course gets bitten so she's kind of turning and you'd think why won't you just kill her but it turns out if you're bitten by the master vampire you get like a little bit of like a psychic link to them and so they think that they could track this vampire and at the same time of course uh, they find out this like vampire valak is actually uh trying to seek this ancient relic called the black cross and if you get this um it'll give you the power if you perform this like ritual it'll give you power to be a vampire out in sunlight and i guess you can bestow this power on other people 
Um, this is a little bit of a mean-spirited movie, I'd say. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say, you know, Carpenter isn't someone who, you know, is with, with the kind of the the times of today. I, I mean, I would say he's not someone that is like, I, I would say he makes really good characters, you know, man or woman. And I think like he does a really good job in his films of making rich, detailed characters that, you know, they, I think they aged well because they, they feel like they're they're kind of uh, fully formed. In this one, I mean, there's a scene where Cheryl Lee is like tied to a bed naked and Daniel Baldwin like punches her in the face. And then like a minute later, he's like, don't worry, you're safe with us. I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? This is a pretty mean-spirited movie, but I think by Carpenter's stance. I, I know he didn't write the script on this. Um, it's based on, you know, the book, but it's pretty rough, I think, at times to watch. Like the characters treat Cheryl Lee in this like fucking shit. And it's just like, God, it's pretty, uh, like that whole part of it was pretty gross. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I was surprised how like neat spirit it was to her and, and everyone else in this movie. They're kind of just assholes. These guys, they kind of fuck everyone's life up. And even Padre, when he shows up, like James was just like ready to fucking kill him. He's like, he's like, I care what he, what, what moment it is, but like, he literally like is ready just to start. He throws him out the fucking truck and like, he falls into the ditch and he's like threatening to just like chuck him across the cliff or whatever. And he's like, oh, okay, never mind. Let's get back in the back of the truck. But I think that one was the kind of tough to watch was just like how, um, kind of mean spirited was at times, and just the way I treat Cheryl Lee's character, like it was, yeah, like I just like Daniel Baldwin going from hitting her in the face to like a minute later, like don't worry, you're safe with us. I was like, what? The? I I know this movie's being a little bit tongue, I'm not tongue in cheek, but I I know it's it's being intentional with this. Like we're we're seeing these characters act pretty like shitty to other people, even though they're supposed to be kind of the heroes. But I don't know. I think it could have been a little bit less mean spirit. I could it could have been a little bit less more more playful. I think. Or it, it felt it felt like it took itself a little bit too self-serious at times, um, even knowing the subject matter is a bit campier, much like you said, like Big Trouble Little China. It, I kind of wish it just like had fun with its sort of vampire. I mean, John Carpenter himself always wanted to make like this type of move, like a vampire movie. I kind of wish it was a little bit more. It doesn't have to be Fright Night, but I wish it was kind of a little bit more, I guess, colorful, playful with its subject matter. Although watching it, though, like it's weird to think that this came out in 98, the same year again as Blade. This feels like a Carpenter movie. I mean, he directed it, but like right away we get the title sequence. We get that score um, a little bit, almost like Escape from L.A.-esque again, too, with the guitars and kind of yeah, Western more rock, style. More like rock kind of. Yeah. Right? It was like later Carpenter in the 90s was like all rock. He's like, I'm getting away from synths. I'm all about like, I think like even on Ghost of Mars, it's like new metal or whatever. Like he was just yeah. in his like, uh, you know, he was in his uh, his emo phase, I guess, or something. But uh, yeah. And I mean, this movie goes on, uh, of course, um, they end up stopping Valak. It's a pretty fun scene when like they kill the the main I guess the 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 Cardinal Alba. He's like, come and get me or whatever. It's like, if, if you, I'll blow my brains out if you, you know, and he threatens to kind of kill himself, you know, prevent them to completing the, the, the spell or whatever. But yeah, for me, I, what did you, what else did you think about this movie? I thought this was kind of, kind of a lower, lower effort for Carpenter by his standards. I mean, it's, it's really inventive and fun in some yeah. parts. I think the beginning of this is really fun and cool when it's just the ragtag team, but they kill them off and then it becomes like the most kind of placid road movie uh, with a bunch of fucking asshole characters and it, it, the ending although it moves quick though i think this movie is you know about an hour and change so it's not it's not too long which was nice but yeah i kind of i kind of had some major zone out in the, the later half of this yeah no for sure me too like i i did like the to be honest with you i'm not a really big vampire guy if i'm being mm -hmm. honest like, a lot of the dracula movies they're like you know they don't do that much for me if i'm being completely honest apart from a few um but uh, like I said, I liked the 
team of vampire killers, you know, at the start when you had like, you know, more and I I, I identified with those characters more than the, than the remaining three, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, the the characters throughout, like I just didn't find them all that lovable and all that great and whatever. And yeah. like as much as I like James Woods, I I, I think this was a, a poor effort from him um and yeah. you know, Bal- baldwin's a bit of a douche you know as we <laughs> yes. but like yeah just not 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 a fan so it's like you know taking that aspect of it though and and throwing in the vampire hunter and sort of i, I love the adventure i love the team adventure aspect of movies like that you know like in indiana jones or like we said big trouble in little china where you have a group of people that you kind of like and you're you kind of feel like you're going with them on the hunt for these yeah and whatever the case so i think that aspect of the movie i did like but the movie as a whole like it's just it's just mediocre at best like it's just it's forgettable and like uh similar to what you were saying like i ended up watching it on my laptop and like the last half i found i was on my phone quite a bit and i was looking yeah it's like you know i wasn't really like i wasn't that into it you know what i mean so it's like um yeah definitely on the lower spectrum of carpenter for me but um yeah i don't know maybe i'll watch it another time down the line and 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 see if i sort of change my my opinion on it but i i highly doubt that'll be the case because it's just again it's a it's a mediocre movie and i don't think it has um i don't think it has the ability to grow into something great anyway yeah, and if you love this one, if you revisit and love it, you can watch the sequels. So they have, of course, two direct-to-video sequels in uh, 2002. They did Vampires, Los Muertos, which I believe actually Carpenter produced and was involved in it. I, I recall actually seeing this one. I think uh, my dad rented that one on DVD as well when it came out. And I vaguely remember enjoying it a bit. And I think it's because that movie kind of focuses more on the team aspect of it. Um, you know, again, this film, the original Vampires, is you know what at its best when it sort of feels like carpenter kind of a little bit of wild bunch a little bit of western kind of horror influences uh play being a little bit playful a little bit fun you know blend of genre filmmaking uh when it's playing itself more like self-serious like boring zone out kind of vampire evil vampire it's it's not so good um it feels like way below something like even from dust till dawn which is you know has its has its problems but it's very inventive and kind of engaging and fun and really kind of that you know escalates quickly that film especially has a place with its sort of genres too um, the titty twisted so bar. yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, there's also vampires the turning which i've never seen it came out in 05 I, I don't think it's very good but uh yeah they didn't make uh this was like kind of a little bit of like a mini franchise and this film was like 20 million dollars didn't do well it made like just over a hair of that at the box office and again review wise some people liked uh sort of the style of the direction of it but most people uh, weren't into the story and characters particularly kind of thinking them are a bit too mean and kind of gross um, and this film also had a little bit of trouble I think production too Carpenter kind of briefly left the film uh, when they were filming in 97 and then uh, Greg there's some parts of this that were actually filmed by uh, Greg Nicotaro you know the special effects man um, who kind of did some work on this and then Carpenter ended up coming back and this got released uh, but yeah as mentioned Gene Siskel gave the film four to five stars calling the film a high action homage to westerns and classic horror that actually has a unique story and masterful cinematography and a film that should put Carpenter back on the map as a horror director and a film director in general. Wow. Uh, just what was Siskel smoking, you know, last year of his life? I don't, I don't know, but uh, yeah. 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 There's actually, I think it's on YouTube where he's like his pick for best actor was James Woods, the vampires. I'm like, what in the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and he was just like, oh, what? But uh, yeah. Um, 
I don't know what word to say. We're, we're I'm I'm feeling a little bit bad, you know, a little bit down because you know we started off the John Carpenter watch series. John Carpenter's career takes off banger after banger, hit after hit, and you know now we're at the. I mean, as much as God, I love the guy, but we're at the end of his career, which frankly is is hasn't been very good so far. It's been a mixed bag. Escape yeah. from L.A. and I'd say um, in the mouth of madness as sort of outliers. The rest of his stuff so far has not been good, and I think next time we're going to be talking Ghosts of Mars, which I heard not great things although i'll, I'll probably watch it and I'll, I'll probably have some stupid contrarian view that i actually think it's greater but uh i don't know this one i went into it hoping for the best again this was the the, the kind of the carpenter movie for me that i actually had kind of the most nostalgia for because this was the first one i watched from him and was hoping for something really good you know it's vampires you know who doesn't love vampires i know you don't but who doesn't love vampires and i it wasn't my thing i just felt like it was it felt a little bit cheap too you know it just felt like Again, I think I mentioned this on we're talking Escape from L.A. or or maybe it was one of the other ones. But, you know, Carpenter could get away with kind of a lower budget in 1980. It seemed like he could string money more. I don't know what the economy of filmmaking, but, you know, these like especially like the late, you know, the the 90s were getting his like Markham shot films and they're they just look so cheap, even though budget wise are probably not that different from the films he made like 1982 or something. Well, the thing aside, like 1981, 80, 80, like those films were made with you know, very, very shoestring budgets to the case of Halloween, literally kind of DIY filmmaking of driving around and setting sets up in May to look like the fall. And yeah, uh, yeah, at this point, it seems like his his focus was a little bit more tuned out, or at least his like quality control was a little bit, a little bit yeah. lower. And, I, um, I, and to be honest, I think I think a lot of the, the problem stems from, you know, trying to compete with other films at, at the time or, or, or what's yeah. recent or what's updated instead of just, you know, if, if, if they made Halloween today, how they made it back in the 70s, like it would be awesome. But for whatever reason, they don't think that's awesome. They have to like stem some like updated this and updated that and try to compare it to this movie and whatever. You know what I mean? It's like instead of just doing what you do best, you know, like look at Christine, for example, like Christine, like, OK, just crush a car and then reverse it and then it looks like it's coming back to life and it's just like easy not easy but simple filmmaking yeah, inventive tr- ways of, of doing it i think right you know what but you don't have to punch above your weight you don't have to go harder than you know like uh, imagine if carpenter did a, a this vampire movie in the 80s in the early 80s i know? was thinking of that this, if this was awesome. filmed in 81 like this movie would have fucking kicked ass deborah you know hill I mean? carpenter like, script kurt russell imagine- in the lead role yeah exactly it'd be like literally like big trouble in little china and except in like instead of lopan as your villain just have the like this vampire and then just like put it in a fucking cave setting like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it would be so much better than what it is in 98 you know Mm -hmm. yeah uh, yeah and i I mean we're ragging on this but yeah this was to me a bit of a disappointment this wasn't one of my favorites so um do you have anything else to say any other scenes that were your favorites i really like I feel like the first half of this movie, especially when it's them on that first kind of assault, I was actually really into it. I'm like, wow, yeah. this is going to be a lot of fun. And yeah. then it kind of falls away from that. And like, I was getting major zone out, as you said, at the end of the film, like the stakes couldn't be higher. It's this kind of like end of the world event. And yeah. I couldn't have been less and kind of enthusiastic for this. I was just yeah. totally zoning out. Yeah. That was the same thing as me. Like as soon as I started it, cause I went in pretty much completely blind. I didn't, I didn't read anything. I didn't really know anything. All yeah. I knew James Woods was in it and it's a vampire movie. It's all I knew. So I went in and at first, like I said, I was like, oh my God, this is like the vampire version of Big Trouble in Little China. This is going to be super cool. I was into it. 
you know, I was laughing. Like I said, uh, the vampires flying out of the house down the stairs on fire. And I thought that was really cool. And I just, everything yeah. was going good. And then all of a sudden I was just like, maybe like a third of the way in, I was just like, I literally don't care what happens. If they all got, if they all got killed, I wouldn't care. So I was yeah. just like, oh shit. Like just my heart just got out of it quick, but like it had potential. And like I said, if it had been made even 10 years prior, I think it would have been in a way better movie. Yeah, for sure. I guess let's get into our, our thoughts then to close it off. Curtis uh, was a little bit more positive of the movie. He gave it a three out of five. Uh, he said, I really, really wanted to like this film more than I did. I like that Carpenter is trying to infuse his own life on the beaten vampire movie genre and New Mexico. I mean, Curtis is a big fan of New Mexico. Uh, he said, and New Mexico is a very special place for me. So the setting and landscapes felt very special. And he said, I also enjoyed seeing Cheryl Lee after Twin Peaks. And he says, my Kiwi friend always jokes that the women in Twin Peaks are so hot, it would be impossible to focus. Yeah, very uh, beautiful uh, city, apparently, uh, despite all the crazy shit going on. Um, yeah. Ultimately, however, this movie just seems forgettable. And every time that James Wood opens his mouth, I get gray hairs. I think Near Dark is a much better and more interesting Western vampire horror hybrid. Good, good choice there. Or, or even the original Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, again, this is like 100%. dealing with the same setting and subject matter as that. And a little bit of genre bending as well, too. But I think it's a much more competent movie. That's that's certainly and and like thrilling to watch, too. Uh, no zone out in that one. That's for sure. He said, I felt like this film could have dug much deeper, but I guess it's kind of fun. And I had kind of the same reaction. Like I, if, if you if you come away from this movie, if it's like a three, four star movie and you just think it's a lot of fun campy i i get it like i, I definitely understand the appeal uh but i was just very disappointed i guess i i kind of built it up more in my head coming back to it i thought like it was gonna really hit or or be good and i was this might be like my least favorite carpenter movie maybe it's just the fact that it felt so it, like some of his other ones like later ones checked out but it was just so mean-spirited the characters are being like total assholes they're hitting women they're just they're they're homophobic they're just like there's nothing really like to get in like they don't feel like full-fledged fully formed characters and even the moment where james woods is like giving his backstory talking about you know his mom his i guess his dad was turned and killed his mom and he had to kill his dad and you know you could you could make that into something a little bit more detailed and he's just kind of dumping it as like an exposition dump and it's just it felt so lazy and i guess you're supposed maybe you can interpret that as like well yeah he's trying to make his kitchen seem unlikable it's intentional you really don't want to like the vatican church in this like wow they're just a bunch of assholes that hire these mercenary goons to do their bidding and i i get that but i i mean if you're going to do that at least make it a little bit more engaging so i i wasn't into it i gave it a one and a half stars i, I did like the beginning i kind of wish that was the movie and i kind of want to check out the sequel just because if it's giving me more of that i might be more into it um, but yeah, it wasn't, wasn't my favorite. Uh, what did you give this one, uh, uh, Quinn? Yeah, no, I agree with Curtis. Uh, very good notes from Curtis for sure. Um, definitely. I agree with the dust till dawn, um, the line yeah. to what he said. And, um, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I gave it a, maybe a little bit higher than I should have, but I gave it a two and a half out of five. Um, just because of, I think the idea, I think I like the idea of the movie more than I like the movie. Um, so, you know, it, it's one of those things where, um, I think the movie had potential and didn't live up to it, but I, I could understand where he was coming from. And I think if John Carpenter had written the script, I think it would have been a better movie all altogether at the time. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but you know, I, I did, I did dig the little rock score and I, I did dig, um, you know, that there, there was some cool gore effects and some cool, I, I thought the makeup was pretty good in the movie, yeah. um, you know, so 
yeah, overall two two and a half out of five. Nothing great, but uh, a, a kind of a forgettable movie, unfortunately. But I think I'll I think I'll pay attention to the entirety of it the next time I watch it, whenever that is. But uh, what about you, John? What'd you give it? Yeah, I gave it I gave it a one one and a half out of five. Yeah, I just I wasn't into this at all. I thought it was a a bit uh, a bit plain. But I will say though, I, I feel like if this movie again kind of pre- it kind of precedes like Van Helsing and a lot of these like mid aughts, I guess. Uh, blood rain and and all those other kind of vampire film i feel like if this came out like maybe five years later maybe it's like more of a hit just because i feel like it yes. kind of precedes a lot of these like mid-aughts characters wearing black kate beckinsale vampire killing movies i mean this came out the same year as blade and blade was really the one that kind of really influenced that kind of aesthetic and style of film you know we get all those vampires sexy brooding characters wearing all black vampire movies because of blade and this comes out the same year and it's doing something a little bit not i mean not the same but dealing with similar kind of plot structure structure subject matter as well too uh but just wasn't wasn't capturing the zeitgeist i guess so a uh, bit of a disappointment but um Plus, buffy had already been out too right yeah buffy had been out 97 and like That's i don't know I, I still think that that show is fucking awesome and yeah, i it's love one of my favorites it. I love Last week night suck, but you know, one of my favorite shows. Uh, yeah, no, I, I love, I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Sarah Michelle Geller was wicked, but it's like, that was already out. So it's like, I'm sorry, you can't, you're not, you're not topping Buffy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Her, you know, I say I don't like vampires, but I'm just like, I don't know. I like some things, you know, you like I, vampires that are like big trouble, little China kung fu villains. If they're like backflips and shit. I, oh, yeah. I love <laughs> I love Fright Night. I said earlier, that's yeah. one of my favorite movies and it's a vampire flick. So whatever. Yeah, it's, it's similar to that, too. Yeah, you know, any movie where if you get bitten by something and you immediately develop like self-defense skills and fighting skills, which mm-hmm. you never had before. That's right. Up, so. Yeah. That's yeah, right. so overall, uh, I gave it one and a half. You gave it two and a half. Curtis gave it three. It gives us a 2.33 out of five, which is, I think, still puts it in the range of some of the other shit we've talked about. But yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the best. Um, the next Carpenter one, of course, we'll be talking, uh, I believe, 2002 one. I don't know. Ghost of Mars, which I've never seen before. I remember when that came out, yeah. like the ads for it and people, there was like genuine like hype for it. Like I remember it was on TV uh, with the movie channel. I've just, I've just, I've never actually watched it. And uh, I think we're going to also talk um, his uh, Masters of Horrors, the two films he did for Masters of Horror. We'll probably talk a little bit about Masters of Horror in general, which was a, a show in the 2000s, which kind of consisted of a bunch of short, kind of low budget films produced by Masters of Horror. Think uh, Carpenter, uh, Toby Hooper, D- Joe Dante, uh, even even international filmmakers, Guillermo del Toro, Dario Argento. A lot of them are very good, but there are some that kind of are notable. Uh, actually, the one directed by Takashi Miike never was released on TV because it was like too gory or too brutal. So I think it was, I think it might be on the home video releases they did, but I, I'm not sure. I don't think it ever aired anyways, but uh, we'll be talking about those as well too. So stay tuned. You know, really riveting material. You know, we're out there with like the Halloween and Escape from New York, the heavy hitters, uh, some of his, you know, who obviously is critically acclaimed work. Um, and I think the next episode, um, we're going to be back talking uh, sequels that are better than original, which I mean, we could probably make multiple episodes of this topic because there's a lot of options. And I know for my selections, I try to stay away from some of the more obvious ones. But I mean, there's a lot of obvious ones you could pick that, you know, would work work there. Uh, but we're, I think we're going to pick kind of a short list of some of our favorite sequels that are better than the originals. I mean, I, it's a subjective topic, but there's a lot of, you know, famous examples. Think of something like even like Toy Story 2, a movie for that when it came out, people were just like, wow, this is way better than Toy Story 1. And 
that's sort of been canonized as, you know, this is the one that's better than the original. So it'll be fun to talk about those and share some of those examples. Um, and we've got some fun ones listed. So that'll be uh, for next episode. Um, anything that you want to mention or plug, Quinn? It was good to chat with you today. I think, uh, you know, this movie was a bit of a bummer, but uh, hopefully we got some more great Carpenter stuff to come. What do you think? For sure, man. Absolutely. Yeah. No, great chatting with you too, as always. And um, yeah, no, I mean, check check out my Instagram, uh, Seat Struck Reviews. Um, and if you guys want to see, you know, us talk about any type of movies in the future, uh, you know, feel yeah. free to to, uh, to check out the uh, Seat Struck seat struck podcast at gmail.com you know drop us a line drop us an email just let us know like is there a, if there's a movie you want you want us to talk about or check out or review or whatever you guys want we'll do uh, an episode of pink flamingos you know request it <laughs> absolutely a, a buddy of mine at work told me about that and he's like you want to see some shit watch pink flamingos and it's been on my my watch list for a little while so i gotta get to that i love john waters too i think he's a fucking strange weirdo but he's awesome great chatting with you buddy and uh yeah do you got anything that you want to plug or uh, mention i guess uh my podcast domestic pints only be uh we're doing an episode today talking uh dominion city uh brewing company from ottawa they do a bunch of really good beer so we'll be doing a, a guest one with one of my buddies and uh yeah also shout we've done a lot of guest movie pods recently we've had a lot of like guests on so thank you to our friends that, that have been kind of our recurring guests coming on uh probably get some more guest ones to come especially if you if you if you're a former guest or or fan of the show and there's a movie that you would love to talk about, like if you have a favorite or one that you can just gush about, you're welcome to come on. We'd love to have you on and talk about it with you. Um, anyone that has like a good general enthusiasm for something, that's something that needs to be you know talked about and, and brought forward. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Anyways, good chatting with you. If you know, stay out of the sunlight, folks, unless you want to uh, spontaneously combust. And we'll see you all again uh, very soon. Uh, take care, folks. See you guys.